Today's story concerns adult subject matter for mature listeners. If that's not your cup of tea, or there are youngsters listening, please skip this one and come back for another story another time. You're listening to the voice of Dom. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion, and today's story is the second and final part of Perfection of the Visionary Courier by Al Song, who is a musician, writer, and polyglot. The Red Kangaroo was an editor for the novel CCS by Taganar. Al has been published in a dozen anthologies, including Fang 8, Roar 9, and Tales from the Guild World Tour. Perfection of the Visionary Courier was originally published in Foxers or Bear Reefs by Armored Fox Press, and you can find more of his stories on Fur Affinity and So Fur. Last time, Milton crashed a boat and fell for Cliff, who helped bandage him, walked him to the urgent care clinic, went out on a date with him, and then the two had some underwater fun. But the coyote's still in his dead-end job. Let's see how a sexy pair of Speedos helps Milton come out of his shell and clothes so that he can put himself out there. Please enjoy Perfection of the Visionary Courier by Al Song, Part 2 of 2, read for you by Dirt from Twitter.com. Are you sure you want to be on the boat with me the whole day? I asked. Of course, Cliff said. We get to spend time with one another, and this way we can work on getting you a new job. I still don't know how you're going to do that with me making shipments all day, and I'm not supposed to give out free rides. Your boss said it's fine as long as I help you handle packages, and I know we're both good at that, he said with a wink. We're not having sex on my boat, I replied. In broad daylight, we're not. We've only known each other for a couple days. And we fucked on the first one, the other said. I also need to get my swimwear shipped, so I'm working as well. I got out my phone and it dinged. Behind me, a skunk in an apron and visor waved at me, shouting, Milton, can I get a ride? Last summer? Bill kept having me ferry him across the water to work at a smoothie shop, and it looked like it was going to be the same thing this year. I remember him as a freshman when I was a senior in high school, and he was back from Spokane University. He didn't have a car, so this was a cheaper alternative for him. Bill was talking about his classes from last spring over the roar of the engine, and I just kept nodding. About halfway through the ride, we just sat in silence as my eyes admired the nice weather and I kept thinking about how it would be nice not to have to wear a big raincoat. I dropped him off, and he thanked me. You're like the quietest person I know, Cliff said after the skunk left. What do you mean? I want you to have a conversation with the next passenger. You didn't even say anything to me during the boat ride. It's just loud, I said quickly. It sounded like you two knew each other and he kept talking. I mean... I didn't know what to say next. Just try to hold a conversation with the customer. This is going to help you with interviews. They're going to ask you questions, and you need to be able to think on your toes. Okay, I sighed. Hey, I know you can do it. 
You talk to me. But that's different, I said as my phone pinged. It looked like Mr. Von Facti needed a ride to the hardware store. When I picked up the older Dole, I asked him how his day was, and he told me he's surprised that I wanted to talk. He then told me about what it was like in refugee camps in Southeast Asia. I asked him about them, and he told me the conditions were awful, and it was the hardest two years of his life. He told me he could have been killed for trying to leave Laos in the 70s, but he risked his life and started a happy family when he got to America. Cliff and I wished the kind Dole a good day as he left. Good job holding a conversation, the otter said. If you're having trouble remaining calm and collected when talking to someone else, I've got a trick for you. And this is for when you're not driving. What is it? Hold your hands together on top of the table or in your lap and pretend there's a little bird there so you don't end up fidgeting. I saw you tapping the steering wheel a lot, he said and demonstrated. Do you have a dress code? No, I don't think so. I realized that answer was a mistake. Would you be comfortable with doing this with your shirt off? There was a pang of queasiness that struck my stomach, but Cliff showed me I wasn't completely unattractive. A few years ago, I didn't have much of an issue with my shirt off around the leg, but now, with my belly, I felt so self-conscious. So, how is this going to help? Well, I like seeing you with your shirt off. But I also want to see that you could hold a conversation while also being vulnerable. Why do I have to be vulnerable? I asked. Most people feel that way in a job interview. And you want to be honest about yourself. Okay. I guess. If you're not comfortable with this, then you don't have to. I'm just trying to help. It should be fine. I sighed and took off my shirt. While we're at it, let's get to the hard part. Are you wearing one of my Speedos? I've got some briefs on. I thought your Speedos were for, you know, special occasions. You mean for fucking, he grinned. You're an adult, you can use the word sex. I guess you're also wearing your Speedos all the time. That's true too, but I'll need you to change into these he said, and handed me another lime and turquoise pair. My phone dinged, and it was the Wilsons on Dock 23. They were a sweet elderly fox couple who just liked to ride in the boat as I circled the lake once or twice. Why did they have to be the first customers to see me in a Speedo? Let me pick up the next pastures, and then I'll stop at home and change. Or you could change right now, he said with a leer. What if the police boat sees me? No one's around and you can swim under the dock. It's not like people can see that easily into the water. I really don't know how you convinced me to do things like this. I took off my shorts and dove into the water. As I resurfaced, the big otter handed me the speedos and I ducked under the small dock. Quickly, I removed my briefs and oddly enough, it felt a little freeing. I then put them in my muzzle and treaded my legs into the aquatic underwear, tugging them up and feeling the pouch hug my sack and sheath. I pulled myself atop the dock, and Cliff helped me back into the boat. Well, 
My big thighs and belly are out for the world to see. Aw, oh, come on, Cap. Don't be so hard on yourself. Plus, they can only see your underwear if they're really looking into the boat itself. I guess that's true. I sighed and pushed the throttle forward, steering towards the 23rd dock. When we arrived, the otter and I helped the foxes into the boat, and I felt the heat rise to the tips of my ears. Oh, Milton, it's good seeing you again, Mrs. Wilson said. Harriet, we just saw him a few days ago, her husband replied. But I truly feel it's good to see him again, she said sweetly. I see that we have another passenger with us today. I think we've met before, a long time ago, the otter said. I'm Cliff Eichel. He extended a paw to the foxes. Oh, it has been some time, she grinned. Jake, it's Louis and Rose's son. I remember the Eichels, dear, he sighed. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you too. Milton, is he your new boyfriend? Mrs. Wilson asked. Oh, uh, uh, I froze. Harriet, don't distract the sailor. Well, technically, I'm not sailing, since this is a motorized watercraft without a sail, and the verb that should be used is pilot, and I would be the pilot of the boat. So nice to hear you talking about your passions, Milton, Mrs. Wilson said. Thank you. You never really talk when it's just the three of us, she said. That's because you do all the talking, her husband replied. And you do all the scolding, she crossed her arms. This is all you boys have to look forward to after marriage, Mr. Wilson then crossed his arms. Okay, so... The life preservers are next to the seats, and I'm turning the engine back on. I'm so proud of you, the otter said from the hallway. Thanks, though today wasn't an easy one, I said, waiting in the living room pool. Of course not, but you did it. Now I want you to be able to keep this up. I know talking is hard, but it'll help you with networking and interviews. He brought out his laptop in its waterproof case and set it on the edge of the pool. Let's check out your resume and cover letters. He placed his laptop on the edge of the pool and slid in. He opened up his email and opened the attachments I'd sent. Hmm. Well, they're very concise. I'm guessing that's not a good thing. I said as he pushed the laptop in front of me and got behind me grinding its crotch into the back of my speedo. Well, it's not exactly descriptive. One thing I suggest is for you to create four sections. School, work, volunteer work, and a section where you talk about your skills and training. I know it's not that great, I frowned. It's something I did in high school and followed the guidelines on a poster in my school's career counseling center. It's a start. But it's been a little while since you've been in high school. I don't want to sound like a startup CEO. You are self-employed, so I guess you kind of are a startup CEO, I interjected. As I was saying, the market, trends, and people are all in flux. 
and they're constantly changing. So you have to keep changing up and adding to your resume. All right, I sighed. Come on, I'll help you out. Thank you. Like, here, he pointed at the screen. You shouldn't just write that you're a courier and that you ship things around. What do I add? I asked. Talk about your more current job duties. You're not just a courier, since you give people tours on the lake and ferry them around. You also need to add the fact that you helped with the whole dock numbering system. After the resume and cover letter crash course, we search for different job openings. There is an entry-level clerical position at the library. Your major could help with this. That could be nice. I do like libraries. Let's see. There's also a creator position for a small art gallery in Seattle. That could be fun. But my knowledge is mostly rooted in more historical pieces. I said, but your skills could transfer over. He stayed in that position for a while as we worked on the tedious documents and applications. After a while, I yawned and Cliff closed the laptop. I've got something new I'd like to see you in. You made a whole new garment in the past few days? Yeah, it's not always the easiest thing to think up new designs, but I think you might like it. I waited and waited with a little excitement stirring up in my sheath. So, this design is mostly for otters, kangaroos, and other species with big tails that could slip through this big gap instead of having the tail above the waistband. But I'd like to see you wearing it and know what it'll look like on someone with a smaller tail. He showed off the back of the turquoise speedo, which had a large circular hole in them. Are you saying my tail's ratty? Hey, what's wrong with rats? Your favorite porn star's a rat. Okay, I'll try it on. It felt like a cross between a jockstrap and a speedo on me. That looks perfect on you, cat. Thanks. Let's go show it off on the beach, he said. Wait, what's the problem? I'll be wearing one too. It'll show off my butt. You can see my crack. And the world needs to see that, he said as he inspected the lens on his camera. You cool with me taking some promo pictures? If you don't like them, then I'll just keep them in my personal gallery. Fine. I guess the sun's setting, so maybe there won't be too many people out. We walked a few yards to the sand, and I stood there unsure of what to do. He gave me direction and wanted me to look natural. He had me turn just my head to seem like I was staring at something surprising on the lake. Another shot that he wanted was of my butt facing him as I looked back into the camera. Soon, the sun was setting even faster as the sky turned from a rosy orange to deep hues of indigo as we sat in the sand together, appreciating the setting sun. The estival full moon illuminated the lake as Cliff pulled me close and kissed me deep. He reached down to cup my package as he guided me to the water. Wait, you want to, uh, in the water? You don't want to fuck in the lake?
I sighed and then pointed to the bulge in my speedo. I think you know what I want. The moon's showing off your perfect ass, he said as he groped my butt. I still don't understand how you get me into and out of speedos so quickly. You seem to really like them. That's true, I said as we walked into the lake. As we waited in the water, he held me close as our tongues danced in one another's muzzle. I massaged his peck and belly as he groped my cheeks through the speedo's porthole. Cliff rubbed our groins together and then reached down. Suddenly, the surface of the water broke, and he held a small tube and a square packet in his paw. Is that aquatic loop and a condom? He smirked in response. It was a special lube you could use underwater. It was mostly for aquatic folks. But I learned about it since I lived near water, and my street friends talked about it now and then. Where did you have that this whole time? My taint, he said. Of course he did. Why did I even ask? The otter handed me the condom, and I opened it. He freed his cock from the speedo and stroked himself a couple times. He then let me pull his foreskin back, and I rolled the condom down his thick shaft. He applied the lube onto his cock and shoved three fingers inside of me. Cliff guided me to the dock, and I put the wrapper atop it. He turned me around. There was another reason I designed these, he said as he placed his tip between my cheeks. One of his arms wrapped around my torso, and his free paw held onto the edge of the dock. You ready, cutie? Yeah, daddy, I said as I put my arms on the dock and looked around. Most of the houses had their lights off, but there were still a few yellow rectangles and dots scattered around the lake. I could have ducked under the dock if my nose alerted me of anyone nearby, but the only thing I could smell was the sweaty musk and pheromones of the otter as he eased his way into my pucker. Are you sure about this? I'm kind of thick. You've seen the pictures of my toys inside of me. That's true. All right, relax, cutie. His huge cockhead stretched me open so much that it was as if he was shoving all of his fingers inside of me. He pressed into me as the pressure built. Then, all at once, he was inside of me. Whoa, you really can take a lot, he said and kissed my cheek. I'm glad I could surprise you for once, I said with a grin and a wince. And I... Love surprises, he grunted as he pulled out and pushed back in slamming against my prostate. Daddy, oh fuck. I took a sharp breath at that and felt my cock jump. <laughs> you finally swore in front of me, he chuckled. Yeah, I guess I did. My face felt hot, but there was something inside of me that told me to relax. I felt his paw cup my groin as he massaged it while bucking into me. My claws dug into the dock as he pounded my exposed ass. I felt my cock stiffen along with a slight restraint from the fabric. He bit into my shoulder and I whined. He then dipped his fingers into the front of my speedo and pulled my knot up my sheath. 
He then encircled his thumb and ring finger behind my knot. His thrusts became erratic as he began growling and moaning. The pounding against my prostate, the teeth in my shoulder, and the vice behind my knot threw me into a tizzy as I felt the heat and desire ramp up inside of me. Soon, I felt pre-eminate from my tip, and suddenly... Everything inside of me shattered into infinite dissimilar fragments as I spilled my essence into the murky depths through the fabric that encapsulated my desire. Ah, fuck. So tight, cutie, he growled in a burly baritone, and with one final thrust, he cried out into the evening, squeezing me tightly to his belly. We stayed there for a moment and then Cliff managed to pull us up onto the dock. My head felt light, while my body felt heavy. Despite this, I felt the happiest I had been in a long time. The big otter spooned me, and we were basically naked to the world around us. But the greatest feeling was that I didn't care if anyone saw. I sat in the old plastic chair, tapping my fingers along the armrest as my legs shook. The little waiting room was decorated in many small paintings and potted plants. One of the paintings was slightly tilted, and as I stood up to fix it, I realized that the painting within suggested that its frame was supposed to be askew. As I returned to my seat, I took a deep breath and put my paws together on my lap and created a little space underneath. Milton? A voice called. Yes, I said, turning my head to the door. Are you ready? A squirrel in a pantsuit asked. Uh, yeah, I said. I'm Joan, the director of PR. Don't be so nervous. I guess I just want to make a good impression while not messing up. It's your first day. You're more than allowed to make mistakes, she said. That's good to know, but I'll definitely try not to make them. Welcome to the Everton Museum of Art. As an office assistant, your role mostly consists of data entry and cataloging. But, since you also applied to be a tour guide, we've created a position for you where you'll fill in for the guides who have scheduled a weekday off. Wait, I get to do both? I asked. You expressed a desire to work full-time due to your student loans, and we only recently found a way to combine both positions into one. So, we'd like to offer this to you and get you trained on both jobs. I definitely accept. I'll get the paperwork set up, but first, let's get to your desk so you can put away your belongings. It was a little area partitioned off with a little window for some natural light and a painting above. We received the inspirational art that you wanted to put up yesterday, she said, and her phone buzzed. The squirrel glossed over a text and sighed. Give me just a minute, Milton. I just need to get something from my desk, and I'll be right back. Sounds good. I returned my gaze to the painting admiring the large river otter in a speedo. He stood on one knee, pointing a camera at a golden coyote's back, who looked over his shoulder at the photographer wearing a turquoise speedo jock. 
Underneath my khakis, I wore the same garment as the coyote in the painting, which made me smile at the sunny, summery image. As I admired the painting, I went up to it and purposely made it lean on one side. I then looked out at the rainy autumn afternoon in the window below and felt the warmth growing inside of me. This was the second and final part of Perfection of the Visionary Courier by Al Song, read for you by Dirt from Twitter.com. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.com or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.